CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on OA, a big week for tech as the Nasdaq gains over 3% and a host of titans roar higher. An old favorite, Dell, also catching fire up over 21% today. So are options traders betting this rally has legs? We'll debate. Plus, charting crude's climb. Carter is here to tell us if there's still time to profit in the energy patch. And later, clean up an aisle eight with Clorox processing the next move in Hormel and a look back at our trade and sales force. I'm Courtney Reagan in this evening for Melissa Lee. This is Options Action live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, we have Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. And we start with that seemingly unstoppable tech run, excuse me, despite a flat finish today. It was a big week for the NASDAQ. Pardon me, as the group leads the market out of the summer doldrums and into what could be a September to remember. Apple breaking out, Google hitting new 52-week highs, and NVIDIA continuing its monster run, now up more than 230% for the year. But can the technological advances keep up the momentum? Carter's kicking us off with a look at the moves. Carter, over to you. Right. Well, before we get to the charts, of course, it's uh, it's so many ways, uh, if you will, to look at tech, right? The XLK is the actual tech sector mirroring the standard and poor sector. Uh, but if one looks at the Qs, for instance, of course, uh, Microsoft uh, and Apple have a different weighting uh, versus what they have in the XLK. Or if you look at software, there's IGV, that's an expanded software tech ETF, where there is no Apple. And Apple has underperformed for almost 11 months, uh, the tech sector, which is an incredible thing. Let's look at a few charts and, and try to figure it out together. And so just here a table to make that point, IGV, again, the iShares expanded tech software, over the past four months, up 23 plus percent, QQQ and XLK uh, meaningfully behind. And that's a function of the weightings. Again, um, the biggest weighting in IGV is Adobe. But let's look at uh, a relative chart to start to make this point. IGV here, it's relative performance to QQQ. So underperforming because of Apple and Microsoft's dominance. And now, because Apple and Microsoft have actually been laggards, uh, having pulled back more than the market, this is starting to turn. So we actually like IGV uh, versus QQQ or XLK. Let's look at two absolute charts just to make the point a different way. Here is the XLK. We know we returned to the former high, and we're sort of at that high. By contradistinction, look at IGV, whose biggest constituent is Adobe, and we're nowhere near the highs. And I think that's the opportunity here, playing IGV for a catch-up. Um, absolute, I like it, but relative to QQQ or XLK. Hmm. Very interesting there. Um, Mike, I understand you've made some cuts to your NVIDIA exposure, taking some profits. I mean, what a run that one's had. Yeah, you know, we've held 130 different securities in our long-only event-driven portfolio since the beginning of the year. And NVIDIA, unsurprisingly, is in the top 5% in terms of performance. Uh, it was our largest holding going into earnings. We paired it a little bit off that pop. And then when it fell back, 
uh, below the prior day's close. We sort of held off. Uh, we did reduce our position this week. We've reduced the position in NVIDIA by about 80%, actually, from about 10 days ago. And this is not really a knock on NVIDIA. I, I wouldn't get short the stock here, but it has had a tremendous run. It has a very high beta. And the question is, what is going to, over the course of the next 60 days or so, going to propel it higher? It feels to me like you're taking excess, essentially market risk, before we get more news out of it. I mean, look, we have 300-plus uh, percent year-on-year -year APS growth, doubling of revenues, all great stuff. The earnings were, were spectacular. But I just think that you know some of these really uh, high-flying names, you're probably taking more beta risk than you need to if you've already gotten good news out of them. Adobe, by the way, we still do own that one. That is another one, of course, of the, of the better performers on the year so far. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, too, if uh, Carter's charts play out, perhaps there's a catch-up there. Brian, what are your thoughts generally on what we've seen out of tech, the run in that group? Yeah, I mean, Carter makes a great point about the IGV because what it basically does is it scalps out of that component of the queues that is really non-artificial intelligence related. And so many of the software names in there have that AI play. And that's what's really driven the market. When the NASDAQ sort of turned and tech sort of turned in the middle of last year and bottomed out, it's really been an AI-driven sales cycle that has moved it higher. I think that continues. That's why when we have trades like we did last week, we talked about buying a put spread in the queues sort of to hedge the position. These types of trades are very low cost. You still get to participate in the upside. You don't really get out of the market and go to cash and miss the wild runs that we've seen in this last week on a handful of names. So I know Mike is trimming his position in NVIDIA. I would probably do that with a put spread rather than outright uh, sell NVIDIA. Now, he may not be in those same constraints for clients, but if I had my own book, so to speak, to trade. That's one area I would look to do because I want to stay very AI related here. I think there's still more to go. We're in the very early stages of this. And if the market has sort of bottomed out and this August sell-off is now over and we're moving to the upside, I'm just going to buy some put spreads. I'm going to put on a hedge so I don't get out. I continue to participate in IGV, maybe couple that with a couple semiconductor names that play AI. I would do that to play to the upside of the market because I think that's where the momentum is. Hmm. Okay. Well, Brian, I understand you're laying out a trade on a name that actually saw a huge surge today. What are you seeing? What are you looking at? What's the play? Yeah, I mean, speaking of AI, you look at Dell, and the one thing that came out of the earnings call there was the words AI and their server uh, integration with artificial intelligence and demand for those types of servers, and that's where they really saw their growth. This is a company that falls basically in a large-cap value tech play, but yet it's got this AI play to it. And so I think that's why you saw the stock take off just based on, you know, sort of underperformance relative to the rest of technology and the rest of sort of the AI play that way. Now, look at there. I mean, you look at 8% sequential growth for client solutions, strong PC sales to couple with that. I think we're going to see analysts continue to upgrade this stock similar to what analysts did with Salesforce. And we'll talk about maybe that about later on in the show. But you look at this stock, I think it's poised to sort of move to the upside. It's on definitely its upper end channel when you look at some of the charts. And so that's why I would be looking just to sell a put here in Dell, capture some premium here on the ride. If I get put to this stock a little bit lower by selling a put, I'm going to pick a level where I'm OK getting along the stock. because I think the stock kind of hangs in there. I'm looking all the way out to October here. The premiums are a little juicy, almost 2 percent of the value of the stock. Selling the October 65 put gives me a break even of 63.85. I'm OK owning the stock down there. If you annualize, annualize this out over the course of a year, 
this premium is pretty juicy still, given the fact that the earnings event is now over. I'm okay owning it. I think at least if it pulls back, it's going to stay above the $65 level. Huh. Very interesting trade on a name that really moved a lot today, up 21% in the session, at least for the pure equity. Let's move on to another red-hot area of the market this week, energy. Crude oil pumping past the broader market, up nearly 8% this week. And if you're trying to get in on this high energy move, the traders have a way to play the group. So, Carter, let's start with the technicals. Sure. So uh, let's start with the commodity, of course, and we'll move from there. Uh, but generally speaking, I think you want to be exposed. We have it as an overweight along with healthcare, but uh, let's look. Um, and so WTI, uh, the first chart you'll see when it comes up on the screen is a, a well-defined uh, bottoming out formation, a bearish to bullish reversal buy. Um, left for dead uh, just uh, two or three months ago at 65. The consensus was recession. We're going lower. China won't help. And now, of course, uh, something altogether different. I think you're going to head to 90. Um, you can draw the lines this way or you can draw them, as you'll see in the next iteration, depicting the well-defined downtrend line, uh, which we've moved above. Uh, but let's look at uh, OIH, the drillers. Of course, this is a very uh, sort of important area within um, energy. And you'll see here coming up uh, how the charts are, are, are sort of, um, well, this is XLE, excuse me, I was thinking OIH, but XLE, no lines, no drawings. Look at the next iteration. Look how precise these trend lines are. The word or the phrase to the penny comes to mind. Well, let's put in some arrows and you can see that literally to the penny, XLE is bounced over and over and over off that uptrend line. And now these converging trend lines were breaking out from the apex of the formation. I think you want to be long XLE and of course OIH. Hmm, really interesting stuff. Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so uh, XLE, of course, is going to be heavily correlated to crude. Crude, I think, uh, you know, West Texas Intermediate up almost 28% off the June lows. XLE up, uh, I think, a little over 17% over that same time frame. This whole group, this ETF is going to behave. The Energy Select Sector Index tends to behave a lot like integrated oil. Not surprising when you consider that its two largest constituents are integrated and represent about 40% of the index. I'm talking, of course, about Exxon and Chevron. But when you take a look at all of the constituents, you're getting exposure essentially to the entire space. There's about a 90% correlation essentially with just the integrated names when you take a look at XLE. Now, it's interesting, of course, because you're also looking at this index, it's relatively cheap. I mean, it's probably trading around eight times earnings. Uh, these companies have become much more uh, capital efficient. And of course, what we're seeing recently is that we are getting a little bit of a uh, surprise supply gap. I think Carter was kind of alluding to that. You know, the sense was that we were going to get some glut. And yet, when we take a look uh, at Cushing, for example, what we're seeing is that the amount that's available in storage there is actually lower than people anticipated. And then you couple that with, uh, you know, Saudi production cuts and so on. And this essentially remains bullish, that along with maybe better than expected economic data by some at least. Uh, again, points to the upside. So I'm talking, taking a look now at an options trade, not one that we talk about that often, an in-the-money call spread. I was looking out to October, the 86.96 call spread. Now, when I was looking at this, XLE was trading round about 91 or so, so pretty much dead middle of this call spread. And what you're, you're going to notice, essentially, is that this is a way to essentially get long exposure with slightly less risk and no decay, because essentially the extrinsic premium of that upside call that you are selling, the 96 strike, 
is equivalent to the extrinsic premium on the in the money call, the 86 strike that you're buying. So on a standstill basis, you'll neither make nor lose. You have exposure for about five bucks to the upside and risk of about five dollars to the downside. But if things do suddenly tick up in terms of volatility, you've defined that risk. And so I think this is kind of an attractive way to play it. One other quick point, that higher strike is just about near those highs that we saw in XLE a while ago. And if anything, I would expect that maybe we would pause there before going ultimately higher still. Okay, it is a trade we will follow. We'll see what ends up happening there. Still to come, clean eating and a clean kitchen. How two staple stocks in different aisles are also heading in different directions. And for everything options action, check out our website and newsletter. There's more options action after this. Calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategy. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. This may not sound like an investing tip, but wash your hands and don't eat cheap. We're looking at two staple stocks with very different performances this year. And the trader's advice may have you skipping the spam and going on a cleaning binge. So let's start with Hormel. Carter. Sure. So yeah, we can get right to the charts. Hormel, uh, you know, a very steady business, a majority shareholder, owns 46 percent. They run the company for very long term results. And you can see that here going back since 1980. Hormel Foods, seller of Spam, has almost quadrupled the performance of the S&P. And that middle line is Coke, almost double that of perhaps the most uh, famous consumer staple of all. But of late, Hormel is on the ropes. Um, so a champion on the ropes, and you can see that in the next chart. If you look at where we are now trading in relation to the uptrend line, in effect, since the financial crisis low, we're toying with the prospects of breaking trend. You can see we also tried to break out and failed, and I think uh, we're going to break to the downside. Unhappy uh, our fundamentals just this week, earnings were a little light. But uh, final chart, uh, take a look at relative performance here. This is, um, again, having outperformed the market to such an extent, but relative to its peers, the XLP, to Procter and Clorox and Coke and Pepsi and Colgate. Um, we are now starting to not only break trend, but relative performance actually peaked some five, six years ago. So Hormel, HRL, if you own it, take measures, sell some. Hmm. Mike, what's the trade on Hormel? Yeah, so Carter was just sort of hitting on it. I mean, you know, fundamentals aren't necessarily a reason to affect a trade one way or another, but we do like it when the fundamentals sort of align with our trading thesis. And I think he pointed out you know, when they announced earnings, results were not so great. We did see some sales declines. Uh, their international segment was particularly weak. Now, they are trying to do things. But of course, remember what this company does. You know, they package uh, meats and things like that. They have exposure to commodity volatility. And it's not particularly cheap. It's probably trading 25 times earnings or so. And this is not for growth that you are paying those kinds of multiples. And you can probably find better valuations 
elsewhere. So I was just taking a look at out to October, a $2 put spread was the one that I was looking at, the 38-36 put spread. When I was looking at that, that was going to cost about a quarter of the distance between the strikes, close to 50 cents. It may have closed a little bit higher because I think the stock weakened slightly. But I think this is a way that you can risk a small amount to make a uh, bearish bet going uh, forward for about two months. Brian, what's your take on Mike's trade? Yeah, I, I like the play. I like the short play. You use a put spread to play to the short side in this kind of market. The premiums are fairly cheap. And the fact is, people's diets are changing. That's the reason probably why Hormel is just not going anywhere over the last few years as people get smarter and healthier about what they're eating. And I'd rather play other consumer staples, frankly, instead of owning Hormel. So this is a great put spread to sort of hedge any sort of consumer staple risk. Okay, so let's now move on to the other side of the aisle. Clorox is up 11% this year, still underperforming the broader market. But could there be more room to run in this one? Carter? Well, so obviously an entirely different consumer staple on a very uh, specific and, and dedicated business. But let's go right to the charts. And uh, my thinking is you want to be long Clorox. So first, a relative chart. Um, you see that spike in what? 2020. Clorox performance relative to other staples surges uh, because of COVID. And ever since then, um, it has collapsed. But you also see that having collapsed, it's starting to bottom and base. The relative chart has all the look of a bearish to bullish reversal. But now let's look at uh, CLX itself. So we know it drops 50% from its peak. Um, that's the worst of almost all staples. And yet that same chart, you can draw the lines another way, and you'll see it here. Um, it has all the look and feel of an important bottoming out. You can call it a cup and handle, but it's what a reversal formation looks like. And so uh, I think one wants to be long Clorox, just as one wants to be a little lighter or short Hormel. Mike, what do you make of this? Uh, well, you know, I mean, again, just talking about fundamentals uh, a little bit here, the interesting thing about Clorox is that, you know, this is their product is a commodity, right? So mm. bleach, uh, granted its name name brand, this also not a real area of growth. This also a company that's trading at around 24 times earnings. Again, when you think that the S&P is trading 21 times, do I want to own a company that's trading 24 and not growing? It's a little hard for me. Uh, to get behind it fundamentally, but uh, perhaps Brian's got a got a way to play it with options that that takes care of that risk. Brian, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I mean the, the P is a little bit high here, so the valuation's a little tough. But it looks like there is a chance for the upside here, and options are cheap enough where I would look to buy around that 155 strike call. Just use a call option, outlay some premium to play to the upside. Maybe you go out to October, November, December with options here and roll those out and stay with that to the upside. This is one consumer staple stock I want to own. Fundamentally, I do like the smell of bleach. It makes me feel like things are nice and clean. Well, up next, out in force. We're checking in on Brian's Salesforce trade from a few weeks back. So how is that one faring after earnings? We'll check in. Don't go anywhere. Options action back in two. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Two weeks back, Brian laid out a way to play Salesforce ahead of earnings. Shares popped after results Wednesday, putting his trade firmly in the green. So, Brian, how are you managing it now? Yeah, this trade is about to expire at full value. A great winner for us here. And next, this next Friday is when the options expire. 
a simple way sort of to close this trade out and just sort of be done with this and realize all the gains from it would be to buy the 220 put. I'd probably look to buy that below $1.50 and just close it out. But we did have, I think I read 25 analysts upgrade this stock. So there's going to be some pricing momentum to the upside. But this was a nice winner. If you want to look to close it out, buy the put and be done with it. But certainly CRM, great earnings. I think there'll be some opportunity to buy it back below 220 But this is a stock that's looking more and more to the upside. Good job on a nice trade. Coming up next, answers to your questions and the final call. Options action is back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take some questions. Our first fan asks, the TLT's next move up or down the next three months? What's your take, Brian? Yeah, I think maybe up to sideways. I think the tops on interest rates on the year were maybe put in in August. And so TLT could kind of hang in here on this level. And for that, I'd probably be buy writing it or selling some downside puts against it. Okay, our next fan asks, 3M, has this beaten down stock had enough? I think so. How would you play it from here if you were inclined to go long? Mike. Wow, catching the falling knife or the litigation risk, depending on how you look at it. Look, so right now, options prices in November are pretty elevated. I would be a seller of those and would buy longer dated calls financed by that sale. I don't think it's going to move on earnings. It's going to move on news related to lawsuits. I think we can sneak in one more question. This one asks, does it make sense to buy leaps in Dollar General, General Mills, or 3M? So, Carter, this one's for you. Well, all beaten down stocks, of course. Let's stick with 3M. You know, 3M, if you were to look at the December 2025 leaps, that's more than two years from now. Stock closed at 107, um, and the 110 calls are trading around 16. So 126 is your break-even. You've got two years to go up 17%. It was trading 126 at the beginning of the year. I think that's what you do. Okay, it's now time for the final call. Carter, you get to start us off. Energy and all things related, uh, XLE, OIH, and WTI crude all on the long side. Brian? Yeah, I'm looking to sell some premium in this market, and Dell is one of those places. So I'm looking to sell the October 65 put in Dell. Okay, and Mike, you get to take the last one. What's your final trade? Yeah, I think energy has uh, certainly more room to the upside. And one way you can look to play that is by using in-the-money call spreads. That's a way to offset the extrinsic premium to find your risk. Energy has been a hot topic all over the airwaves of CNBC recently. Well, that does it for Options Action this evening. A special series, Mad Money, Back to School with Jim Cramer. That starts right now. Have a great long weekend. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full options action disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash options action disclaimer.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.